0: Hey, I um, have on my Avalon Kids shirt, because that's, that's what I prepared for this morning. So I have a craft, okay, that we're going to be passing out. It's going to be great. We're going to sing songs and do a game, and then we'll do a craft, and your children will come pick you up. <laughs> it's going to be really great. No, I was really excited to be out there this, this uh, morning early to pray with the team that showed up at 8.30, and to watch our... Uh, our Welcome Center start, I hope that that was a good experience for you and that you have some comments for us, those of you who uh, dropped off children and, and uh, so those who came up and swiped their barcodes and pff, you just spit out their tag and said, that's really cool. I said, yeah, isn't that neat? That's good stuff. <clears throat> so thank you uh, for participating in that. We probably make more preparation for Christmas than we ever think about making for Easter. We, we give Christmas preparation months of anticipation. And then we do shopping, and then we do decorating, and then we... My goodness, all the energy and effort that's given to Christmas, which is an important day. I mean, that's when Jesus came in the flesh. But I wonder if we give enough attention at times to getting us into Easter, which is really perhaps the most important day of all for those of us who are Christians. Are you aware that there's a cross above our baptistry? We we put some out here on the sides just to remind you that there were three crosses that day on Golgotha. But I I wonder if you ever really noticed the cross. I, I bet you notice Arthur. Because Arthur's full of energy and excitement, you know. I bet you, you notice the ladies singing. They did a wonderful job. Thank you, ladies, for that. I appreciate that so much. But I wonder sometimes if we just missed the cross. It's just part of something that's there. I really, really, really want us this morning to take a moment and focus on the cross. At the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ and I don't want you to be reaching for your, your necklace that's got that pretty gold that you wear. That's good, that reminds us at times, uh, but, but that's, that's not the cross. The cross was wood, and ugly, and rough-hewn, and full of splinters. It was an instrument of torture, it was unjust, it was bloody, it was nasty. And we should probably have a cross that drips blood to really keep us focused on the cross because the cross is God's ultimate expression of love and the cross is God's ultimate expression of his sovereignty. That from the very beginning he had a plan. The cross is central to who we are as a church and as a group of believers. And we're thinking about Easter. and We're thinking, wow, we got all, you know, extra, extra people coming. We expect, you know, maybe 1,500, maybe more people to come and visit. I'm bringing my friends. I'm bringing my neighbors. Uh, would you preach about something nice that day so that they'll come back? And if we're going to be true to what God's called us to and true to Easter, when Pastor Dale gets up here on Easter, he's going to talk about a bloody, stinking cross. <clears throat> and the blood of Jesus cleanses you. <clears throat> And from all unrighteousness. That without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. <sighs> because that is the theme. The cross is the most important element of our faith. You can't have a resurrection without the cross. There's no point in a virgin birth without the cross. And I would posit to you this morning that the cross is the answer to every situation in our lives. No, oh, you, you, mean, you mean like, like I, I have cancer? The cross is the answer to that? Yes. Because sin causes cancer. Sin in the world causes cancer. The cross is the answer to sin. Well, I, I'm, I'm feeling kind of hopeless, kind of depressed. You mean the cross is the answer to that? Yes. Because it demonstrated God's ultimate love for us that overwhelms any situation, any circumstance I could be in. You mean that, yes, the cross is the answer. So I just want to, I want us to wander in the section of Luke. Um, uh, if they have scriptures up there, it'll probably be in the, um, the ESV I'm reading out of the NIV. Just, I hate to confuse you, but well, you bear with me as we go with that this morning. And I'm going to jump all over. Don't even try and keep up, Julio. Okay? Um, in fact... I think I probably have scripture that you don't have. So how about going to Luke Luke 22 we'll give Julio a break. You've got your Bibles, you've got your apps, whip them out there. You version will do it for you. And let's go to Luke the 22nd chapter starting with verse 31. I want to I just want to look at four probably in your mind unrelated things that have to do with the cross of Jesus Christ as recorded here in these portions of scripture. Luke 22 Starting with verse 31, the first guy I want to talk about is Peter. I want to talk about Peter because in in this section, Jesus says something to Peter that really upsets him. Peter stands against it, and then just a little bit later, Peter does exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. And the cross is the answer to that. Let's read together, verse 31, chapter 22. Simon, Simon, Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. There's a problem right there. Satan is intimately and directly involved in Peter's life. And Jesus says, you know what? Satan is out to get you. And it's interesting that Jesus says, but I've prayed for you. Don't pray for me. Make him stop. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Prayer is the answer. Satan needs to be involved in your life at this moment. I'm aware of this, and I'm praying for you that you'll be strong. But Satan wants you. And Satan wants Gene. And Satan wants Debbie. And Satan wants Lee. And Satan wants Cheryl. No, no, he doesn't want me. Yeah, he does. Sure he does. Well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm safe. Yeah, you are safe for eternity, but he would love to destroy you now. And, and that's what Jesus says to Peter. Peter says, Satan has asked to sift you his wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, because you're going to go, strengthen your brothers. Peter replies, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Lord, I'm going to do that in your name. I'm committed to my wife. I'm committed to this. I'm going to, Jesus, no, no, you don't know me, really. I am ready to do this. And Peter, you know, he's really, he really believes it. Peter, in his inmost man, I think, believes that he was committed to go with Jesus to prison or to death in that moment before anything really happened. Do you do a lot of stuff in your mind? Boy, do I. I am an incredible executive pastor in my mind. Okay, I, I am an awesome husband in my mind, okay? But the realities of getting things done sometimes, you know, uh, play out totally different. But Jesus says to him in verse 34, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times you know me. Why is this whole situation, why is he talking like this? Well, continue on because it's kind of a pivot verse. Uh, Verse 36, he said to them all, you know, Jesus said to them, when I sent you before, because he'd sent them out before to to do work in his name, when I sent you before without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they replied. And he said to them, but now. But now. If you have a purse, take it, also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and get one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors, And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment now. But now everything is changing. So he confronts Peter and says, Peter, Satan's looking to sift you like weed. And Peter says, no, no, I'm your number one man. I am committed to you to prison and to death. Okay, well then flip over and let's see how he does. Um, 54, still in chapter 22, verse 54. Then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. And a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. And she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Imagine that. Just, just picture for a moment. I'll go to prison and to death. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. You know and and he looks up and there's the eyes of Jesus looking at him, right to the heart of who He is. And then Peter remembered the word, the Lord had spoken to him, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Okay, I want us to grab one or two things out of that portion right there. One, Peter in his mind, was willing to do anything for Jesus. When it got to the rubber hitting the road, Peter denied Jesus as if he had never known him. And when he was aware that he had done that, he wept bitterly. Which is really good because you and I do a lot of commitment, I do, a lot of commitment to Jesus in my mind. The rubber hits the road, I fail miserably and I go, wow, Well, I'm sorry about that, Lord. I'll try and do better next time. But Peter was so intense in this that from the depth of who he was, he wept bitterly. What a horrible place to be. So what's the relevance of the cross? The cross is the answer for Peter. He would discover, after the resurrection, he would discover that Satan was defeated at the cross. Satan wanted to sift him like wheat, and he, Satan won in that case. But at the cross, Jesus defeats Satan, and Peter recognizes afterwards that, that Satan is a defeated foe. I have the authority of Jesus Christ. I don't have to give in to Satan anymore. The cross was everything Peter needed to deal with his failure, and sin. He wept bitterly at his failure. The cross is the answer for Peter's pain. Because without the cross, there is no forgiveness of sin. But because of the cross, all that sin, all that failure that had occurred with Peter in that moment of disowning could be forgiven. And in fact, Jesus and him could have a really great dialogue around a lake after the resurrection, restoring him. The cross, the cross was everything for Peter because ultimately it would defeat Satan and empower his life and it gave him access to the forgiveness of sin that he needed to deal with that heavy burden of guilt. Okay, that's Peter. All right, the rest of the guys, they're not not so good either at times. They struggle. Okay, let's go back to verse 47. I told you, you're going to need to, Keep up here, 2247, you're doing great. Jesus is about to be arrested. And while he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them, and we get told by John who rats out Peter, okay, and one of them, Peter, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. And Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion? that you have come with swords and clubs. Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. They go back to no more of this. No more of what? Well, let's not go off whacking off people's ears. But it's more than that. It's deeper than that. They had come for Jesus, just like Jesus had said, They would. Hadn't Jesus been telling his disciples for at least weeks that I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. I'm going to die on a cross. Hadn't he been saying that? Yeah. And now the time had come. Jesus says, but now it's all being fulfilled. And here comes this gang to get Jesus to go do exactly what needs to be done. And the group, Peter leading the group, the group has an answer for the problem. We got an answer. We got a sword. There might be 40 of them, but we got a sword. And, And he whacks it off because this is the start, and Jesus says, stop it. Stop trying to figure it out and fix it in your own strength. You don't understand. If you understood the cross, you would have never drawn that sword. But because you don't understand the power and the significance of the cross, you're busy trying to fix the situation, which doesn't need fixed. Because this is exactly like it's supposed to be. The cross, a clear understanding of the cross, would probably keep you and I from fixing a lot of things that really don't need to be fixed. Maybe Jesus would sometimes say to us, if, if he just understood the cross, then I, enough of this. Enough of this. Lesson number three: the trial. We're going to go to verse twenty, uh, chapter twenty-three. Jesus is arrested and held off. Peter denies him. There's all kinds of horrible things that happen to Jesus uh, at the hands of the guards, and he gets flipped back and forth and back and forth uh, between Herod and and uh, Pilate, and it's just a real mess. But I I just want you to go with me to verse 10. Um, Well, verse 9, chapter 23. He's before Herod, and verse 9 says, And Herod plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priest and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing Him. And Jesus said nothing. Like a sheep before his shears is dumb, he opened not his mouth. If anybody could have answered the falsehoods and the accusations that were being thrown at him, it would have been Jesus. He could have countered everything they said. He could have defended himself in an incredible fashion. No but Jesus, if you go look at First Peter three, uh, I mean two, Peter says Jesus opened not his mouth. He didn't threaten. He didn't retaliate. Why? And the rest of the verses, say, because he entrusted himself to the Father. Jesus already knew what the right answer was. He knew about the cross, and he didn't need to just that. He was going to the cross. These folks had already made up their minds. It was all, there was no convincing them. There was no point in trying to convince them. So Jesus just entrusted himself to the Father. He'd already said, I'm going to the cross because he understood it. And he didn't rationalize or justify it. He entrusted himself to the Father because he understood the cross. I wonder how often my life, our lives, would be changed if, if, we, entrusted, if we understood the cross what Jesus did there, and entrusted ourselves to the Father and let him be the one that defends us. I, I, bet, I bet life would be a whole lot calmer for, for me if I wasn't always trying to convince you or defend myself you know, for things I do or things I believe. And so Jesus is accosted, accused, falsehoods, paid liars, and Jesus, because he understands the cross just doesn't open his mouth. He knows what he's doing is right. He's entrusted himself to the Father. He's headed towards the cross. And he opens not his mouth. Because he understood the cross. Now go back with me, please, to um, back into chapter 22. Let's get uh, to verse 39. The cross, the cross. For Peter it was going to be the answer. It is the answer because Satan who had accosted him would be defeated at the cross. Forgiveness for his sin would be accomplished at the cross. For the men who were there, it was, uh, we've got a plan. We've got to come up with a plan to fix this. And Jesus said, there's nothing to be fixed. You don't understand the cross. For people who are trying to accuse Jesus himself, He says, no, 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 I I have embraced the cross. And I don't need to defend myself. There's no convincing you. You've already made up your mind about what I believe and what I'm doing. I'm just going to trust myself to the Father. And then Jesus, remember he had already said in verse 36, but now, things things are about to happen, but now, Jesus goes to pray. Let's begin in verse 39, please. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Um, There's a good direction. (laughs) You know, you're going, you know. I don't think Jesus is thinking about the get up in the morning, Lord, thank you for the new day, help me to serve you well, Um, what's for breakfast? I I think that he's talking about an understanding that says in this world, you're going to have trouble, and you're going to be confronted, and Satan wants to take you out, I need you to pray. Don't go there if you know that's a bad place for you to go, that's a good choice, but... Pray more than that. Prayer is going to be the source of the strength and the wisdom and the, and the desire that you need to not go to places of temptation. Don't be like the guys who are, I got a problem, I'm going to fix it my own way. He says, yeah, make good choices, but pray that you don't fall into temptation. Why would Jesus say that? Because Jesus, as a man, was about to fall into temptation. He could have gone to the garden said, this really stinks, I'm not sure I want to do that, and got up and walked off to Bethlehem for dinner. He's wrestling here. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. And you know, this is probably the model prayer. The disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray, and he said, our Father who art in heaven. And boy, that's got good stuff in it. But if, you know, here's a place where, let's, let's see how Jesus prays. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Here's at least one element of that prayer. Jesus told God what he wanted. Father, here's what I want. I want the cross not to happen. Can we come up with a different way? That's a want, and he expresses it freely. That's just incredible that Jesus would come to his father and say, I know we talked about this back there before the beginning of time, back in the garden. Okay, But right here, right now, here's what I want. And God doesn't strike him. God doesn't send an angel to slap him. God, the Father, listens as Jesus says, here's what I want, but give me what I need. And what Jesus needed was the strength of of body and spirit to get up and go do go to the cross. Not, not what I want. Thank you for hearing what I want. In fact, a lot of the things I want, you'll probably give me. But Lord, I get confused when I think the things I want are the things I need. And if Jesus had prayed, believing that I need the cross to go away, you and I would be in big trouble. But he said, I want this. Thank you for allowing me to have this interaction with you, Father, but... You know what I need, and I know what you desire. And so not my will, but but yours. And Jesus, who understood the necessity of the cross, got up and went to trial and to the cross. Because the cross, he knew, was everything. The cross defeated Satan. The cross was the mechanism for... Uh, for the cleansing of sin. Jesus bore all of our pain either before, during the whippings, or on the cross. Last Saturday, I did stupid. okay, And I did some drilling through concrete with a big drill without gloves. (laughs) And I wore bandages all week. And I was in pain. And we go, stupid, should be punished. And I was. But you know, Jesus took that pain. Sometimes when I'm praying with folks in the hospital and they're in pain, I'll just say, Lord, would, would you help this person who has your spirit dwelling inside of them, who understands um, his, you know, their relationship with you and a little bit about the cross, w- would you make them aware that you took that pain that they're experiencing right now on the cross? And would you let them know that you're willing to share that pain? It's incredible the times people go, oh, that's better. Because on the cross, he bore our pain. On the cross, he bore our sorrows. I'm so overwhelmingly sad. Jesus says, I know I took that at the cross. The cross is the answer to all of it. And it's a bloody, nasty instrument of torture that we need to talk about regularly. We evangelize our friends by saying, wouldn't it be great if you were to come this Easter, cards out in the lobby, wouldn't it be great if you would come this Easter and learn about all the things that happened Culminated in the resurrection, but all the things that happened when Jesus died on the cross. People need to know that. How great, here's more than anything else, here's probably what they need and you and I need to know. When Jesus commented there and said, but now this is about to be fulfilled he was quoting a scripture out of Isaiah 53. Yes, the cross is this and the cross is that and because of the cross, this. But how did Jesus get on the cross in the first place? Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his presence that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, insert, on the cross, and carried our sorrows, insert, on the cross. Yet we considered him stricken by God. Look what God did to Jesus. And Isaiah says, no, 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 he went to the cross because of your infirmities. He went to the cross for your sorrow. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for your iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace to be here and to worship was upon him and by his wounds we are healed at least in the spirit and the soul, maybe even in the body. We all like sheep have gone astray, each one of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before her shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and who can speak of his descendants? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. All right. Listen. If you don't hear any other part of this scripture, listen. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. What? Why did he do that? Why did God, was it God's will to crush him and cause him to suffer? Because it was the only way to rescue you and me. Because without the cross there is no forgiveness of sin and without forgiveness of sin there is no eternal relationship with god and the father understood that and so it was his will to crush him and cause him to suffer father jesus says if it's possible for this cup to be to pass from me please that's what i want and i imagine when the father said back to him i understand son but it is my will to crush you and cause you to suffer because I love them so much as I know you do. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. He makes intercession for transgressors. The cross. The cross. Folks, need to come on Easter. Folks need to come next Sunday. Folks need to come at 1045 today to hear about the cross. You and I need to be willing to share with them about the You and I need to think about the cross. When I'm troubled and scared, where ought, ought, ought I to go? To the, to the foot of the cross. When, when, I've, when I've sinned and when I know when I've, I've disappointed God, where ought I to go? To the foot of the cross. When I feel like Satan's got the upper hand, where should I go? Well, that would be to the foot of the cross. When I don't like you and I'm angry and bitter towards you, well, I had to go <laughs> to the foot of the cross. When I don't understand why God may ask me to give this way or to invest in that person, or to, and I'm confused, and I probably need to go to the foot of the cross. So I just want to encourage you. Easter is a great time for people to come and understand that every answer they need can be found in the cross. Why don't you stand with me, please? (laughs) While, While it is true that the wonder and the message and the meaning of the cross does not lose any of its significance simply because you and I will not accept. If I poured a big glass of water for you after a long day working in the yard and I brought it to you and you said, no, I don't want your water, that doesn't invalidate the depth of my love or make my gift worthless. It still has great worth and value. It just means you're still thirsty. Jesus did it all at the cross. And then he says, I want to invite you. Here's my invitation. I did for you what you could not do for yourself. Now come Take a big drink. So if that's what you need this morning, I would you know I'd invite you to come and see some of us, maybe wait till after the service and see Jerry, Jerry, Pat Sinkbile over here. We'd love to talk to you. And I really want to ask you to be praying for Easter. I want you to be praying for every day. I want you to pray for 10:45, but you know, there's that weird thing that says on Easter, a whole bunch of people are going to come. And they need to hear about the cross. You pray with me, please. Father, thank you that your love was so awesome, so incredibly big, that you would decide to send your son to the cross. Jesus, thank you that... Although in your humanity you brought your wants to the Father, you ultimately gave in to what He wanted. And He gave you what you needed to walk that journey. Thank you. Now Lord, for some in the room there may be an offering of a cup of forgiveness that needs to be embraced this morning. Please lead them to that. And for the rest of us, would you... Would you cause us to pray so that we don't enter into temptation? Would you cause us to pray for those who are going to come next Sunday, Easter Sunday? They're going to come to youth. No matter where they're going to come, Lord, let your presence and the truth of the cross always be the theme of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to just sing for a minute to you, Lord. You listen and receive our praise. In Jesus' name. I understood the cross we'd probably pick up 10 of these on the way out the door and invite people to come get an understanding about the cross remember please only parents and workers for the 1045 hour using these doors please so we can increase security and reduce congestion appreciate your cooperation still signing up for Easter volunteers out in the lobby got a nursing home outreach for the kids you might be interested in checking out And boy, there's a lot of stuff going on on the youth table, right? 2016 golf tournament. You may want to find out more about that and help our kids get to camp. Thank you so much. Let's be praying as we go. Father, heal us, please. Heal us of our physical infirmities. Pray for Pastor Dale and Doris, our church secretary, and others who are sick. Jesus, you provided that healing on the cross. Heal, please, our spirits that sometimes push back against you and think we have a better way. Take us to the cross. Lord, heal our emotions when I am overwrought and feel like I need to attack. Take take me to the cross. Take us to the cross.